0: Jason, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! I don't know if you knew this or not, but Budget Blinds have some of the best people in our community. They are, and we have said this before, they are very much good eggs. That they are. They are always doing things to help out the community and, but wait, there's more. Ooh, what else are they doing? They are the home of the Signature Series Shades. So when you're ready to make your home a smart home, call this them up. is the place you need to go to. You're going to call Budget Blinds, and you're going to say, all hail my robot shade overlords. And they're going to know what you need, and they're going to hook you up with Signature Series Shades. So when you're ready to make that decision, head on over to our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit, right in the heart of downtown. Tell them, Jason, next thing. Hello, and welcome to this Friday episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. I'm joined today by my friend and um, current partner in crime, Ben Martin from Summit Theater Group, and Carl Chinnery, who is the subject of a project I've been working with Ben and Summit Theater Group on. We are working on a virtual play production for Summit Theatre Group. It is, it is kind of in the style of the old-timey the old timey audio plays. Uh, ben, can, can tell us a little bit about why you're doing this shift and, and where it came from? Well, the Rotary Club
1: uh, of We Summit and, and actually Rotary International has one of its main missions as the eradication of polio. And back in November, I think it was, Carl came to the club or is already a part of the club, but did a program for the club where he talked his family's experience uh, with polio because they were stricken with polio in 1942. And he has this moving letter from his mother uh, that describes what happened uh, during that time. Uh, when I heard the letter, I said, golly, this, uh, this has a story, a, a dramatic story to it and I asked Carl's permission to see about converting it into a play. And so we had it in play form with the idea of doing a live performance of it uh, by, oh, mid-December or so. And then, of course, everything struck with with COVID and and coronavirus (laughs) and such. Uh, And all live performances sort of went out the window. But in many ways, the the script lends itself to um, hearing the play as well as seeing it too. Uh, so we decided to play around with the idea of turning it into a a radio show. You and I had been talking about some ideas about what could we do, sort of a radio drama uh, kind of format anyhow. And uh, so we uh, picked it up from there. And so that's uh, that's how we got started.
0: Yeah, it's been, I, I had been kind of bugging you a little bit about it since since I started this this podcast project in I think 2016 even. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and 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 we'd laughed about it and and you even told me a couple years ago you had an idea for a murder mystery and then and then right before everything started shutting down you you sent me an email and said I got an even better idea and that idea Carl is is your family's story and that is I have I have I've seen pieces of the letter that are in the script that Ben wrote that's a pretty personal pretty pretty intense story for you and your family what's it like to see and think about it becoming the type of production that could be seen by so so many people well let me give you a
2: little history about the 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 basis of the of the of the story is my mother's letter and what happened is that in 1998 be polio plus chairman for this rotary district, which covers several states. And I thought, what in the world am I going to talk about in terms of polio, even though I had, had polio, as did my four brothers all at the same time. I was so young, I had very little knowledge of, of what had actually happened. So I went to my mother and I said, mom, would you, would you mind giving me a few little notes about what happened in 1942 um, with our family on the polio? And she said, oh, honey, I can't write anything. I don't know that I can do anything like that. Well, about two weeks later, she presented me with this letter. And she says, honey, this is the best I can do. And I read it and the information in it was information that I had no knowledge of because my parents refused to talk about the devastating effect of the polio epidemic in our family. It was so devastating. And I could not get through the letter. It took me three or four times to finally get through it. Well, it seemed to take off. Um people wanted to hear it again, and since two thousand and one uh i don 't know the exact number, but I think somewhere around three hundred and fifty presentations that i 've given worldwide using the letter as the basis for a talk about polio
0: i I'm, I'm I'm struck a little bit there by you 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 you're talking about how your your parents didn't talk about it with you with you guys as kids. And since this play is, is drawing on lots of parallels, right, To the, the polio epidemic versus the, the current COVID, I, I wonder if the parallel there, it, that seems like a generational thing, almost that, that same generation. They didn't talk about their experiences when they came back from the war either. Well, they didn't. And uh, this was so devastating to our family
2: and such a big deal uh, throughout Kansas City. The whole Kansas City area knew about the story in the early forties. Uh, but I think you're right. I think there is a generational uh, change.
0: Is it, I guess you, 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 you've given this speech, you said about 350 times around, even around the, around, around the world and you've made this presentation. Does it, does it change how, how you look at it? Are you, are you kind of re-experiencing that every time you get up and tell that story? You know, it, it sounds it sounds funny, but I have
2: a difficult time giving it, um, because no matter how many times it's given, uh, it's so compelling uh, and so personal that that it really it it's really tough, and it take it it takes it out of me.
0: What's it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious as to your 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 thoughts now, and and I don't want this to come off. At, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Ben is a Ben is a, a long time, experienced storyteller. But what is it like for you to kind of pass it on to someone else to take that letter and to try and tell the story? Is that is that a little weird? Well, it 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 really has a lot.
2: of, has had a lot of spinoffs. After every presentation, I have a line of people come up and and share their stories about what their family or their friends have experienced in terms of polio. And it has also raised a lot of money. Uh, People uh, will automatically stand up and say, let's pass the hat and try to get some money to to get the vaccine distributed in the places in the world where it's needed. Uh, So it, it really has served a lot of good purposes.
0: I'm gonna break in kind of the thread just a little bit there because this is still a thing that Rotary's working on. Polio is not totally gone. This is still a mission for for your club, right? That's correct. And for what, all of
1: Rotary, all
0: right, of international,
1: yeah.
2: Rotary itself has given over 1.7 billion dollars to the cause, and worldwide over $17 billion has been spent on the cause and millions and millions of man hours uh, getting the vaccine around the world, to the children of the world who are under five years old.
0: What, what do you say to people who think who maybe it's, because it's easy to forget that it's not totally eradicated, that it's still, it's still a disease that's, that's, that's out there. How do you, I guess I guess not how, but what do you want to keep reminding people so that so that it's not forgotten? You
2: know, polio has been around for thousands of years. Um, unlike the the COVID, which of course we know about now. Um, if we don't eradicate it, and we stop this uh, work to eradicate it, uh, the it will spread again, and it will take over again, and the cost of that will be significantly more than we have already spent on it. So it's really important to finish the job.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the big fears right now that I'm hearing is that because everybody's so concerned about the coronavirus pandemic, uh, and how it's affecting people's ability to that the two or three countries where polio still exists may see a resurgence of the disease and that disease then may spread um, back out to other countries as well. Um, So, so there is a huge connection
0: between the coronavirus pandemic and, and the remnants of polio that still exists too. Well, Ben, that's kind of where I want to go next is, is to talk about those parallels um, Mm -hmm. that you draw and you are, you are not subtle in your, in your writing of this. Um, and I think that's a good thing. That's, that's not a criticism by, by, by any means. Um, so, so walk me through a little bit of, of your process there. Um, as you, as you took his story and you're not only paying, you know, honoring that family's story, but you are all, you're also drawing some pretty clear parallels. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I
0: think one of the things
1: that was really important to me was as I started doing this story, uh, and, checking back with Carl and his daughter, Amy. Uh, and I just felt a need that we had to have some more context. Um, you know, What's the bigger picture of the, of the polio story of the polio ep- epidemic that happened back in the, uh, especially back in the middle part of the 20th century. And so I started doing more and more research and discovering these incredible, uh, incredibly moving, uh, Snippets of information and some sometimes really major pieces of information, almost all of which have been forgotten now. Uh, and so uh, I, I think everybody remembers March of Dimes and we all recognize the phrase March of Dimes. We we quite often forget that that was originally a campaign, rather than birth defects and and uh, parent uh, mother's uh, well-being uh, kind, of, kind of movement. Uh, that was fun, I don't know if I'd say fun, but at least a really fascinating discovery uh, that we were able to put into the show as well. Uh, little things like the game Canned that everybody knows and, you know, everybody's played with their three-year-olds through six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. Uh, <clears throat> Candyland originally started out as a game that was invented by a young school teacher who was suffering from polio herself. Uh, she was on a ward that had mostly children uh, and she wanted to come up with something that the kids could play and do uh, to take their minds off of uh, of what they were suffering through. Uh, and so she invented this game, which went on to become one of the best-selling games of all time. Um, but again, we don't remember that um, that thing there. So uh, there's there's also a great story of a nurse from Australia, uh, Elizabeth Kenny, who. Uh, came up with a treatment for polio that was actually far superior to the, the medical establishment treatment uh, at the time uh, and, uh, and worked so hard to get that word out uh, against some pretty big pressures coming from uh, the establishment uh, until she was finally able to do that. In fact, actually that, that nurse's technique was actually used by uh, nurses uh, working with Carl's family. Uh, and that's actually referenced in the letter. In fact, that's that's how I, that's how I discovered it was because she, Carl's mother says we had to start the kidney treatments, and I say okay, what are candy treatments? And that just led me down the, the line to this fascinating story of this uh, this Australian nurse who um, had such a huge impact on things.
0: Right, and 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 again, another parallel. Here's here is a woman, you know. Uh, we've we've got gender battles going on right now right where people are trying to break through and facing those pressures it's just it's it's interesting to me that at every step of the way there is a there is a direct almost parallel Mm -hmm. and a way that you can relate to every part of this of this story and then even more so because you know if you live here in town you know of the Chinnery family and so it, it just makes it even more relatable and and Carl you and I don't know each other well but I had never heard this story um, I'm not a member of the Rotary Club, um, and so I had never heard this story. So it was it was just it was interesting to hear all of this and to think that there was that direct connection, even just just people that we know right here in the community, because we don't think about polio as a as a modern thing still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the story would not be public but for the letter.
2: Um, you know, that was the whole basis for.
0: Uh, spreading that word did you um, had you made any presentations or told that story at all before you got that letter? No uh, because I really had very little knowledge uh,
2: of what our family went through of course i I had snippets over the years, but that that really opened up and it opened up the floodgate for my for my mother because after the letter then she would she was able to talk to me about it. my father had already already died so he wasn't available so my whole life my father never talked about polio in our family
0: again that's i i think that's that's a generational thing that a lot of these stories we don't get these family stories these things that we don't get until you know till they've gone and then and then it starts to come out the little bits and pieces um from surviving members and 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 there is a great power to to these stories and to keeping things alive and memory and memories mm-hmm. going. Uh, we I would be remiss if I didn't say this. This audio play is called "A Candle Against the Dark," and there is a very poignant tale behind why why it has that title, Ben. Yeah, and I don't know if
1: I want to give away the end of the show. Or I know that. I was trying to figure out how to
0: ask you that question because I'm like, it's such a great moment.
1: <laughs> but uh, but. What happened was Carl's sister uh, artist, came to that presentation in November Uh, and I had actually worked with artists uh, in the old community theater uh, that existed before Summit Theater Group Uh, and so we were catching up and I said this is such a such an important story I'm really fascinated by it and she said uh, yeah, there's there's something that, that I can add here too. I, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, they they always had a candle on the um, on the mantelpiece for the son, uh, and it was George who died. Am I correct, Carl? It's it George uh, for the son that that passed away from polio, um, and at one point, artist had asked her mother why. Why is this candle here? Why is this nightlight here? Um, and her mother said, that's because George was afraid of the dark. And so the, the candle's right in front of George's portrait that's on the mantle. Um, and that just sealed it for me. I said, oh my gosh, what what a moment. Um, what an important moment uh, for that woman and for for that family there. Um, because, you know, if, when George probably passed away in the hospital, it was probably a dark room, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that impacted her so much more. Um, just, just some really tough stories in there, uh, about what, uh, what the family endured and what I think polio patients around the, around the world, uh, endured because of people trying to figure out treatments and not knowing what the treatments were, um, are the best treatments were, so yeah. That was. I have to do this once I heard artist's story, uh, and, and we'll slip it there. I said, "Oh, got to do this. I've got to make this into a play."
0: Well, and and I think um, I think telling the reason behind it is not going to ruin that that moment in the play at all. It is mm-hmm. it is a it's it's a it's a great moment, and it just that story just tells I think so very much about. You know, parental love and 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 the pain of loss. Uh, I, it's, it's about it takes about five seconds, right? <laughs> but it's just yeah. such a such a really powerful powerful moment in in the story. Mm-hmm. Was this a was this a a difficult thing to write, Ben? It's 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 a little different than what you've you've done over the years. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was that What was that process like?
1: Well, and and like so many writing processes um it goes through a whole bunch of different iterations um the script that we are now using uh for the for the broadcast version is probably about the seventh or eighth version <laughs> that i have um uh, that i've run by carl and amy and, and they've said oh yeah this is good this is better oh this is getting better <laughs> um
0: whether were were carl were there ever notes back like no ben don't do that
2: <laughs> very no, very very few comments, and I just have to compliment Ben. He has done so much research, and there is so much good information about polio. In-
0: mm-hmm. I think we've watched it, Carl. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this moment right here where we did struggle. There, we are. We're doing this interview of, over Zoom, as the whole world has gotten used to Zoom in the last several months. um That's the interesting thing about this play, too. Ben is. Not only could we not get everybody together on a stage to perform, we couldn't even get everybody together in one studio. We did these recordings all over video conferencing, which Zoom software is great for video conferencing. It's not the best thing in the world um, to record a play, but we figured it out. Yeah, yeah. This was a different struggle for you as a director, I assume.
1: Yeah, it was a real learning process for me and and you – reference that it was for you too, um, and it was really fascinating learning about an ear kind of play, an audio play, rather than a visu- visual uh, kind of thing. Um, and so as a result, we, uh, you and I pretty much went through all kinds of uh, processes and, and learning the post-production side <laughs> <Right>. uh, doing, <laughs> of doing this kind of show. Um, and so we've been adding sound effects, we've been adding music, uh, we've been trying to, uh, um, re-record a few things, uh, because sometimes the, the microphones didn't work quite the way they should have, or, uh, the computer connection wasn't as good as it, as it could have been. Um, so yeah, it has been, it's been a long process. We actually did the original taping of the voices or recording of the voices back in mid May, I think it was. Yeah. And since then, we've been been um, <laughs> working on that <laughs> on that post-production, polishing it up and trying to make sure that, that it's in good shape. Well, yeah, yeah you, and-
0: you're on a stage. You, know, you can control everything. Everybody has the same sound quality and mics. And, and, and we did this. We had, I think it was 17 people. Is that correct? 17 members. 17, cast. yeah. Uh-huh, 17 members. Um, cast. Everybody on a different computer, a different microphone, a different room. So uh, yeah, this was a just on the technical side for me. It was hard just to try to get everybody to at least sound similar. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, Um, you had some work to do there. uh, Yeah. So uh, as a self-taught audio engineer, (laughs) this was a whole (laughs) this was a whole new thing for for Mm -hmm. me. Did you direct differently? And I've never watched you direct, so I don't know anything about how how you work. And I do not have a theater background either. Um, Yeah. Did you approach the cast and characters and things differently? I had to. Uh, number one, I
1: mean we're talking about real people uh, here, so they're playing real people, and so that we have to obviously do justice uh, to the individuals who live their lives. Um, um, and And so that's something that that's really important when you're you're doing that and And I think the cast really bought into the idea of we want to make sure that we're not going way out this way or way out that way in terms of trying to over, overplay it. Uh, I used, I used the phrase dumb uh, dump guild of the lily uh, <laughs> a number of times where people tried to be too dramatic uh, and too serious. And you have to remember, these are people who they're not aware that they're in a dramatic situation. They're just trying to live their lives. Uh, and so, so play it that way, play, play them as, as real folks trying to just do the best they can. Uh, and that I think uh, actually lends more drama, in many ways. The other thing that, for me, is I'm a very visual director. I love the pictures on stage, uh, and and putting people together so that the, the pictures will work. And and of course the the voice and the the words and so on that are being spoken are also important too. But I've always you know concentrated I think more on on the visual. In this one that wasn't even a part of the game <laughs> there was no visual to concentrate on uh and so yeah I, I think uh i probably did pay much more attention to the way things sounded um than i had in, in the past
0: i know i know you and i focused a lot on trying to make sure pacing was right and spaces between uh-huh. as they went back and forth and and i'm going to say you know one of the things i worried about and i, I i'm really impressed at how you balanced this um, when I first saw the, the scripts and we started the, the rehearsals, which rehearsals over Zoom are very interesting yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, was the play between not only not only are you retelling the Chinnery family's experience and that, and that story, but there's also a lot of uh, information and fact and history like like you said you kept digging up some things like the history yeah. behind march of dimes and candyland and and the you kin know, nurse kenny in in australia i was a little worried when i first read it like oh this is going to start out as a really cool story and then we're just going to preach we're just going to you know be it encyclopedia. Yeah. but i thought that that balance actually turned out really really good Mm-hmm. It's a, I, I was curious how you approached it just because I like processy and, and storytelling process so I, yeah. I was curious about how you approached it kind of what you
1: I, th- I think it's important to the, that we started off with it's important that we started off with a story and and the story of the Chinnery family uh, because it would have been very easy to turn this into a documentary uh, with you know maybe some Ken Burns music playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> Um, We could do 25 episodes That are four hours each Um, But the fact that we had the story The dramatic story in the first place I think helped keep that in 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 view I've got a cat coming into the room Now this is going to be fun Um, And uh, And then we found ways To work a lot of the Documentary and history Kind of stuff Into the story of the family Rather than Here's the story of the family, and then here's all the documentary stuff. Um, And so it went back and forth. There's one long section where we do the history of the battle uh, and the the steps from uh, when we didn't have a vaccine or any vaccine, to all the way through the development of the vaccines, uh, up through uh, going around the world and and vaccinating children on a a huge scale. Um, Some of which Carl has actually participated in too. Uh, we're able to, I think, make that that work in a way that uh, that was
0: dramatically satisfying. Uh, yeah, I would say world. I was. That was a particular part I was kind of uh, concerned about. There's just it's this audio when you just read the script, it's just this audio timeline, mm-hmm. and I I I couldn't in my head figure out where you were going and how you were gonna gonna put it together. But I think it I think it did turn out really well.
1: It sips along pretty well. Carl, tell. Tell Nick and the audience about one or two of the the projects that you've been on, the the National Immunization Days.
2: National Immunization Days are days uh, in a particular region of a country where all of the children under five years old are given the two drops of vaccine on the same day. So my National Immunization Day was in India in a small town called Donbad, I say small town in India, it's only a million five hundred thousand people <laughs> um, but in Donbad, what we did was we uh, and throughout India that particular day, I think on that one day we gave the drops to over three million uh children under five years old and uh I can remember one of the places that we set up a booth to give the drops was in, the, in a kind of a small courtyard uh, in the middle of a, an apartment complex. And we set up the booth and we're ready to give the drops and no children showed up. And I didn't know before we had left, they'd ask us to bring bags of candy with us. Well. We opened these bags of candy and put them on the, on the table in front of us and literally hundreds of children came out of the apartments and that's how we were able to get them to give the drops to them that day. Uh, that, that candy was what drew them to the drops. <laughs> uh, and then the next day is called what's a mop-up mop day. The children who get the drops are, their their fingers are colored with a, a purple marker, and so the next day we go walk to, from house to house looking for children who did not have that purple mark on their finger, and then they would drops as well so that's how you you, you, uh, you completely survey a particular town or city uh, to make sure that nobody's lost.
0: How many people? involved in that I mean to cover a, a, a city of 1.5 million people I mean how you know, big I, is how big is your rotary crew
2: <laughs> I have the figures but I can't remember them right offhand uh, but they actually do know and they on each national immunization day they know how many volunteers how many canisters because the, the, the vaccine cannot be given and if it ever if it ever exceeds 50 degrees so that's one of the problems is getting the vaccine uh, to places that don't have refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just can't imagine how, ma- how much work is involved in getting that vaccine to places around the world where we think it would be very easy.
1: Wow. Some of the, the problem that we face right now too with polio is uh, you've got wild polio, which is what is passed from uh, from person to person. Uh, but then you have the vaccine-related polio, that when vaccines are not stored correctly, uh, it doesn't have the impact of, of safeguarding you. It actually gives you the disease. Uh, and so that many of the current cases of polio that we see around the world today come from vaccines that were improperly stored and then given to children. And so wow. they they that way and that's that's been a real political problem because some people say well you gave my kids the vaccine they they got they got polio and and it's difficult explaining uh exactly what had happened what needs to happen how how things need to work in order to make sure that this thing gets wiped out
0: right carl i want to shift back to the the actual play for for a second a lot of the play is narrated by by you or an actor playing you Um, is that going to be weird for you when you, when you finally listen in?
2: Nothing in my life is weird.
0: (laughs) You know, I say the exact opposite. Everything in my life is weird.
2: (laughs) I am just so glad that Ben didn't ask me to narrate it.
0: (laughs) It's not too late. (laughs) No, no. I would have a very tough time. Um, ben, have you have you been able to share any any with him yet at all? Uh, he's
1: had a chance to see the script and read the script. We have not yet. I don't think I've been able to share any of the episodes no. with you.
2: No, I haven't. Uh,
1: yeah, and and really looking forward to that too. I, we had the experience, Nick, you and I, of, of having to do a re-record with one of the cast members who had never heard the whole thing put together. Uh, and so she came in and, and did the re-record with us, and she heard parts of it, and she had she said she had the shivers uh, based on on hearing how it sounded. And so uh, yeah, very exciting getting ready to,
0: to put it out for everybody now. Well, speaking of that, and, and Ben, you can tell me if I can't ask this yet. Okay. <laughs> you uh, as Rotarians are working for a special virtual event to to premiere this this podcast play as as a, an extended fundraiser for for rotary and its and its efforts to to end polio throughout the world can you are you are you in a place where you can tell us a little bit about what that's what that might look like
1: well what we hope to do if if you've seen the specials on pbs where they have you know their their big marquee event and they keep breaking in to uh to talk a little bit about here's why it's important in raising money and and so on and so forth. We're kind of going to do that uh, coming up here. Uh, uh, We've divided the story up into three episodes. So there's some natural breaking points where we're going to be able to uh, pause in the story and then uh, do some talk and do some discussion and talk a little bit about uh, polio worldwide and the the role of uh, Rotary in it. Uh so yeah, we're looking forward to being able to uh to do that as a, a special event uh coming up here sometime fairly soon, we hope.
0: And you'll be collecting money.
1: we'll definitely um still on, uh the polio uh, campaign eradication campaign has this uh this wonderful uh, motto. It says uh we're this close. And whenever you see that, it's uh, somebody holding up their fingers as I'm holding up now that I'm sure your know, radio audience can hear and see uh, where you keep your fingers, maybe an inch apart and you say, we're this close. Um, and that's, uh, that's, I think, uh, pretty much the sense that we're going to be giving during that, during that program too. We're so close. Uh, we have work to do. It's down into trying to figure out how to get into certain mountain valleys in Pakistan and Afghanistan, uh, to reach children. Uh, but, um, but the funding is still necessary and, and funding is still needed.
0: Well, this this play, I'm really excited uh, uh, to, have, to have been a part of it with you, you Ben, and to help tell your family's story, Carl. The audio play is going to be called A Candle Against the Dark. It is the first production of a new podcast channel for Summit Theatre Group that will be launching. It will be available um, on basically all of your devices, whether you use Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of those. Um, and we'll push it out here locally through through Link to Lee Summit um, through our social media channels, and I'm sure Ben Summit Theatre Group will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. When this podcast, Lee Summit Town Hall, started, uh, one of our first and consistent focuses is always how people can be involved in the community. And that's what we we always want to push, whether that is just being an informed voter, or whether that's getting involved in in the many wonderful local nonprofit organizations here in town. So as we wrap up, Carl and Ben, if people want to be involved in the Rotary Club of Lee Summit, how can they do that? Carl, I'll let you take that one. (laughs) He's our ultimate
1: recruiter. (laughs) You
2: can certainly contact me and, and we will give anyone who's interested in Rotary a free lunch. Uh, and you can experience it because talking about Rotary uh, doesn't, doesn't really do the, the organization justice. You have to experience it, and one-hour lunch is a good way to start. Awesome.
0: You so, can contact me or Ben. Well, how can they contact you?
2: Well, I'm available at uh, Chinnery Evans and Nail, 816-525-2050.
0: There we go. And I believe there are, I believe you can find the Rotary Club of Lee Summit on, on Facebook as well if you want to go there. So on we Facebook appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Carl, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. We appreciate it. And Ben, thanks again for letting me be involved in this production. It has been fantastic. and I can't wait until we get to premiere it. Sounds great. Cheers. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. And we will talk to everybody next time.